All right. Episode 30. 30. Trenta. Big deal. You're listening to the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Romanella. It is absolutely popping off. Do you know what we call that sometimes? Dick High Fun Balls. And Anthony Rinaldi. I'm going to say something crazy. How about peeing like a dog? Oh, at the buzzer. Oh, he missed it. Oh, OT. The show starts now. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Romanella. And with me, as always, my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing great, as always, Ant. We're at the Dig Me Dab Studios here in Somerville, New Jersey. And we're going to remind the people that they need to head over to digmenation.com to pick up the official gear of the guy in the tie. As seen in Bloomingdale's, Tilly's, and Lids. Head over to digmenation.com and use promo code DIGTHEDAB. 18. That's D-I-G, the, D-A-A-B, 18, and you can receive 30, I said that, 30% off your purchase at digmenation.com. It's football season, Mr. Rinaldi, and I am fired up. And you're stuck in contract negotiation garbage. And the funny part about the Roquan Smith one is... Brian Erlocker gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame on Saturday and literally says in a few of his interviews, I would do anything to be on the field with my teammates. And I think that's kind of one of those, not, it's not a slight, it's one of those statements where it's like, listen, man, you're a rookie in the NFL. You are missing a lot of time right now at a really, really important time in your career. Your first NFL training camp. And Roquan Smith is not the starting middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears right now. He also has to earn his position and earn the the trust and the respect of his teammates. So to me, it's a 50-50 street. Some of these franchises should just be looking at these situations and saying, let's just get these guys in. We drafted this guy number eight overall. Why is he not in camp right now? Why is Khalil Mack arguably our best linebacker, arguably the best defensive player in the league? Why is he not at Raiders camp right now? Why is Aaron Donald not at Rams camp right now? Why are some of these be- – I get it. There's, it's a business. And I understand sometimes the players are wrong too. But right now, and we've said this before, it feels like an – extreme amount of players are going the route of holding out now because they're not getting what they want from ownership. I, that's really their only course of action is to hold out. The The owners hold all the power, but the one thing they could do is not show up. And I think after week nine, like we said, week nine, they start getting banged uh, paychecks. So And they lose paychecks while they're in camp, correct? Right. I think it's like a, a few, you know, 50, 60K a day. You know, for, the, you know, for them, <laughs> that's nothing. But for us, Andrew, you know, God forbid. I mean... The Oakland Raiders, that is their, he is the key to that defense. And I actually have them, Andrew, as kind of one of my underrated teams coming into this season. Uh, I completely forgot they picked up Martavis Bryant. I mean, that dude, add him to Jordy Nelson and a healthy Amari Cooper. And a healthy Derek Carr. That's right. You know, they bolster a little bit of that offensive line. So, I mean, it's the defense, which is the question mark. And 
You know, there's some kind of language, and in, in, or Khalil Maxman, you know, kind of told, don't talk to the coach. He hasn't even talked to his $100 million coach, Andrew. So if you're John Gruden, do you walk straight into the general manager's office in Oakland and say, hey, we need to find a way to get this done because our engine, especially on the defensive side of the football, can't run this year without Khalil Mack. And even though he's a vet and a good one at that, he's still missing time bonding with his teammates and getting ready that way. I think it's, if, if I'm John Gruden, and I mean, that, you, your first thing is get him in camp. Give that to the players. Show the players that you are on their side. Like you said, he is the captain. He is the spokesperson. He is your leader. And him not being in camp, I know it's only two weeks in, and he is a vet, so he knows the drill. So he's not going to miss. He's probably working out like a beast at home or you know, wherever they work out. So I'm not too too worried about Khalil Mack, you know, health or getting ready for the for. But I'm thinking, like, psyche-wise, Andrew, just to get your leader in the in, back in the clubhouse, talking to the guys, getting Gruden to get to the players, to that level of mentality, I think would go a long way to showing the players, like, hey, our coach, he's with us, he's on our side, he wants our guys in camp, he wants them here now, he wants, you know, I mean, let's go, Andrew, week two, we got some football coming up. Especially when you're talking about a franchise that's leaving Oakland and going to Las Vegas. So you already have a fan base that's supposed to be going to the home games this year that is not too happy about what's going on in Oakland. So this just adds to it because it's a weird situation because it's a team that could be really good and a team that could possibly compete for a Super Bowl if all, if the stars align because the talent's on the roster, but it's a franchise that is moving and has one of the most dedicated fan bases probably in the National Football League not very happy about what's going on with their franchise. So you mentioned it before, and now I want to get into it because you said that you had Oakland as a possible sleeper for you going into this season. So explain it to the people, of course. And you can get us on Twitter and on Instagram, Dab Podcasts on both. If you want to give us some of your overrated teams or your sleeper teams. But Anthony and I have put together a few teams that we believe are overrated and or potentially sleeper teams to watch out for and a few players that might be going overlooked into this year. So, Mr. Rinaldi, get it kicked off. Give me some players first that you believe are either A, sleepers and are going overlooked, or be possibly going to underachieve for what people expect them to do? I got three names that I, I kind of caught my eye. And one, like I told you, Martavis Bryant. I forgot he's with Oakland now. But I got two tight ends, Jack Doyle out of Indianapolis, and my boy from Penn State. We are Penn State. Mike Kosecki, Andrew. On Let's your, go Fins. On your Dolphins. Go That's Fins. Right. I knew you'd like that pick right off the bat. But first, let's talk about Jack Doyle. Tight end. The dude put up like 700 yards, I think six TDs with Jacoby Brissett. Nobody throwing him the quarterback. And nobody, me, the nobody protecting the quarterback Absolutely. as well. So clearly the Indianapolis offense was atrocious last year. That was a bad team and he was their only weapon. Exactly. So just imagine, or keep it on the down low, but I think Andrew Luck's coming back. He might possibly be coming back. I heard back. he's throwing Nerf footballs these days. So. Yes, and a few a few feet or a few yards, somewhere yeah, in that range. So, I mean, obviously the health of... Andrew Luck is going to be key to this pick, Andrew. But also, you saw what he did with nothing. So, even a, a second-year Jacoby Brissett is better than a first-year Jacoby Brissett. Sticking with tight end, Mike Isaki. Six-foot-six rookie tight end, Andrew. You know what's pretty good in the red zone? A tall guy who can catch the ball. And go up and get it. And has hands to couple with it. That's He's athletic and big. And he's, he's deceivingly quick. You know, like, I know there's some comparisons out there. Some people say he wants mini Gronk. He's a, he's, a, he's a Gronkowski light, and obviously you, you can't replicate a six foot six, you know, 
280-pound monster like Gronkowski is. a different animal. Right. But I think when you compare Gronk to Gasecki, it's exactly what you said, hands. This dude, you don't got to throw him the ball. He's going to catch it wherever you throw it. And, again, at 6'6", that's a nice target for Mr. Ryan Tannehill. I love that Gasecki is on your list because that draft pick this year was one of the most underlooked draft picks. And I tried not to get myself too excited because I heard the Gronkowski comparisons. I'm a firm believer the comparison game is just kind of a little ridiculous because even if there are resemblances, no matter what, every guy is their own guy. They got there for their own reasons. So I've been trying to avoid the hype, but you came in here today and you got me fired up because the other thing is Ryan Tannehill's never really had a tight end to throw to. So if he's healthy, he continues to put it together with Adam Gase's offense, which he was doing in his first year before he tore his ACL up until week 15. He made them a playoff contender. Matt Moore, so be it, took them there and lost to Pittsburgh. But he's never had a tight end, and that excites me. I mean, listen, if there's any year that the Patriots have multiple chinks in their armor, I mean, if you could get a healthy Tannehill, unfortunately he lost Landry, uh, he would have been a nice weapon with Kasaki because that would have opened up you know, for each other. But I think they got a nice thing working down Miami. Yeah, but they got Kenny Stills for the long threat, which I'm excited right. about. You're and right. Devontae right. Parker is a bigger outside receiver. They could probably be a little bit more physical, catch those balls across the slot, kind of open it up a little bit, and they signed Amendola. Which, listen, is he on the back nine of his career? Sure. But can he do things in terms of a decoy game, catch some slot balls that are needed to be caught? You start to look at it, and after Landry, and I don't want to make this a, a Dolphins debate, but as you're talking about what their possible pass game could do, you lose Landry, you say to yourself, how is this going to be a po- how could this even be possible? I think Gasecki is a key to that, and I think how creative they get with the weapons that they do have on the offensive side. And my third guy, like I just told you, Martavis Bryant, wide receiver, Oakland Raiders. He's getting a fresh start across the country. I don't know what happened there in Pittsburgh. He saw the rise of Juju Smith-Schuster. My man got his bike back, and he got his game back, and he took over Martavis Bryant. Martavis, you know, likes to do the Mary Jane a little bit too much for Pittsburgh's fan base, I guess you could say. So he obviously gets that new fresh start. And when you have Amari Cooper and Jordy Nelson outside of the wings, uh, obviously Jordy probably played a little more slot. With a healthy Derek Carr, they picked up, uh, I think, one or two big O-linemen this offseason. So they bolstered that offensive line to protect Derek Carr because you got to protect your quarterback. You see what happens when you don't. Ask the Indianapolis Colts, ask the New York Giants. When you don't protect the quarterback, it's hard to throw from your back, Andrew. So you'll see Martavis Bryant have a nice little nice little comeback, I think, here with Oakland. And he's and he really is, you're right. In theory, on paper, he's the third option. Third option in Pittsburgh, too. And and, and if he's the third option out in, in Oakland, with I think a guy that could probably handle maybe his character. I don't know. We'll see how John Gruden handles his character. But it's gonna be a situation where if, if Martavis Bryant is under control, he'll be good for the Oakland Raiders. All right. While you're on your your guys to watch out for, give me some teams or a team that you feel like is a sleeper going into this year that we as the people might be overlooking a little bit that could surprise some people and make some noise. We are we, we kind of argued this back and forth, and we actually agreed on this one, Andrew. My kind of underrated team flying under the radar. They were supposed to make a nice splash last year. They were kind of... You know, mez a mez. But it's that Tennessee Titans, Andrew. They had quite the offseason. Love it. Signed every New England Patriot off the scrap heap that they could. And they locked up Taylor Luan to a large contract. That's a key offensive line clog for them. Possibly one of the best in the league. 
And Mariota's getting better. You got to get consistency out of Mariota. Yeah. He's got to be that's the that key. Consistent and a solid run game because he that that RPO that run pass option that he's going to run they they did a good job last year in their run game both with Mariota having the ball in his hands and with their running backs. But it's got to be a good combination, and Mariota has to prove that he can play 16 weeks of consistent football. Because I think right now with Marcus Mariota, and I would agree with you, they are absolutely a sleeper going into this year. I think people are just starting to assume that maybe Mariota's not going to be a guy that can, can win you big games, or maybe it's just a situation where... Tennessee's in a division where they're just not going to have an opportunity to be that good squad that can win their division. Either way, there's talent. There's a solid defense there. Their defense only got better with the with the addition of of Malcolm Butler. Okay, they signed I think it's Vaccaro from the Saints last year. This year because they had a big safety go down. So th- he shows that consistency. I think the Tennessee Titans do some damage. And you mentioned it earlier, running backs. Nice one-two punch with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. You're going to see a lot of that run-pass option like you mentioned. And if Mariota can consistently play, they got that nice young uh, wide out from last year who really, you know, kind of couldn't get on the field last year. You know, he's behind Eric Decker. But now that he's gone, he's moved on. I think you're going to see, I mean, Andrew Luck, again, that kind of division rides. I don't think Jacksonville is going to be uh, up to snuff like they were last year. I think kind of caught a lot of teams by surprise. But you'll see, you'll see them come back to earth because you know, they, Blake Bortles at cornerback. I think I'd rather have you back there, captain of the ship, Andrew. And that brings me to teams that are probably overrated. So for me, I also put the Chicago Bears in the sleeper category. I really do believe that that's going to be a team. I think Mitchell Trubisky is going to find a way to continue to improve. They had a top ten defense in the NFL last year, as well as one of the better running games in the NFL last year. So you get you have a few more weapons in Chicago right now. You have a really solid defense. If you can lock up Roquan Smith and that eighth overall pick talent can come out and add to that already very stellar top ten defense from last year. I don't see why the Chicago Bears couldn't be a team. It's a sleeper, maybe sneak-in wild-card pick for me in the NFC. Now, who you have as overrated, because I do think that this is an interesting year, but there are a bunch of teams that maybe have been around regularly for the last few years or had a really good year last year that we are probably expecting to have the exact same year again that aren't. Who do you have in that overrated category? Overrated. I hope he's listening to this podcast. I'm picking his squad just to dig him a little deeper. That's the San Francisco 49ers, Andrew. Wow. They're the most overhyped team. They're the most overhyped 6-10 team, Andrew, that I've I've heard in the 2018 season. I mean... Is it I, because Garoppolo? Yes. I mean, they have some of the... I'm going to go here for our degenerate side. They have, they have some of the better odds to win the Super Bowl than... Check, check this out. Check, I'll write all of some names real quick. Some better odds than some of these teams. Atlanta Falcons, Los Angeles Chargers, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Carolina Panthers. Wow. And they're right... And who's who's probably, I think, 18 or 17 to 1? New Orleans Saints, Andrew. So, what, you have, just think it's overhyped? Oh, my God. Listen, Andrew, who's playing defense for them? Their offense is kind of suspect, too. I mean, I know they got a, a few nice pieces... Uh, you know, the young tight end, young running back. But, I mean, on defense, I think they're going to be a sieve. It's, I mean, unless Garoppolo's throwing for 
350 plus and your five touchdowns, 40 to 37. Yeah, unless he's unless Garoppolo became Drew Brees overnight, Andrew. I don't see how. Yes, he rattled off five wins at the end of the season. Yes, Seattle is on a down downward slide in their division, and the Cardinals really aren't anything to snuff right now. But I think the Rams will run away with the division. I can see the Niners going maybe eight and eight, seven and nine, maybe getting a win or two more. From from, but again, their defense is so suspect, Andrew. So I mean, to me, I have the Forty Niners as my overrated team coming into twenty eighteen. Andrew, I mean, tell me, tell me, you got somebody in the NFC East? I do not. All right, good. It's not your New York Giants because I don't think they're a sleeper nor overrated because I think people have literally no idea what's going to happen with the Giants. But we'll get to that in a minute. My, I have two overrated teams going into this season. Uh, two for and the price of one. I think the first one is more so because they've been so highly rated the last four or five years that this is finally the downfall year, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. And I think I have them as overrated because I think people are assuming to this point, much like they assume with the Patriots and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers to this point, they're going to be in the playoffs every year. The Seahawks are going to be in the playoffs. They're going to find a way. Well, this is the year. I don't know if that's going to happen. That's not the Legion of Doom anymore. It is absolutely the Legion of Crutches. They've been demoralized with injuries. Guys have left. Guys want possible trades because they're not getting their contract extensions. I don't think that's going to be as good of a defense as it has been in the past. And I just don't know if Russell Wilson and that offense will ever reach its full potential. I mean, you don't like that six foot four Brandon Marshall? I like the addition, but how many times has Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall been into the, uh, the playoffs? That's you right. And he was such a loof with the Giants. I really thought he'd be a great one, too, with Odell. He's a Miami Dolphin for four years, he too. He couldn't get it. He, well, yeah. You're right. Seattle is literally littered with nothing because they waited. They they had a nice window with a young Russell Wilson, you know, third-round third, third round pick. Didn't have to pay him much for three, four years. They had that window. But then, you know, Legion of Boom wanted to get, pay, wanted to get paid. They didn't lock anyone up. got hurt. Um, you know, listen. I'm not. I'm not sold on Richard Sherman in San Francisco either. Me neither. That that that's a weird. That's a weird thing to come back from. That's a bad injury. But that goes to your point about how their defense is suspect. That yeah, sure. On paper, that looks like a great signing. He's coming off a serious injury, and he's on the back nine of his career. And also suspensions. I forgot to mention Reuben Foster. Yes, that dude should be locked up. I mean, I don't know why he's playing football, but well, that's my same thing kind of with the Patriots right now. Is they have a, a, a big time suspension to their wide receiver core, and they're already depleted from a talent standpoint to begin with. So that's why I feel like the New England Patriots, they'll find a way to make the playoffs, but kind of fall into the same category. But what you just mentioned is, is it smoke and mirrors because Tom Brady's there? Is it smoke and mirrors in Seattle because Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are there and the Legion of Doom was there? Is it smoke and mirrors in San Francisco because Jimmy Garoppolo won the last five or six games of last season, so all of a sudden people think that they have a chance to win the Super Bowl? I don't know, but my feeling on Seattle is it is smoke and mirrors. And my feeling on another team that's also smoke and mirrors is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that is not a slight on their defense because they will have the best defense in the league, I truly believe, again this year. I think that because of that defense, they will be in the playoff hunt the entire year, but eventually... If you don't get any better as a quarterback and as the most important position in sports, as everyone always argues, Blake Bortles, Mr. Rinaldi is going to be their downfall because they should have won in New England last year and they didn't because they tried to manage Blake Bortles instead of let him be an NFL quarterback because he is not good enough. Andrew, I can't argue the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like I said, I think they caught a lot of teams by surprise last year. 
and that kind of uh, that magic doesn't happen very often. And I mean, Blake Bortles, you know, what could you say? That was one of those first, you know, top five picks that I wish J- Jacksonville probably wishes they could take back or you know redraft, but can't. But they one. extended him. I mean, listen, he's serviceable. They're doubling down. I mean, who else was available? But doesn't that make you feel like they they are an overrated ball club? Because how can you trust that guy behind center when listen? Yes, they were ten and six last year, and yes, that that was a good football team that went into New England and probably should have beat New England. But the reason why they can't reach their full potential is because they're not creating an offense to be great. They're creating an offense to manage the clock, and unfortunately, if unless you do it like Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos did. You're probably not going to have an opportunity to win or you're going to keep doing what you're doing, getting close but not getting over the hurdle. I mean, listen, if anybody knows how to get over that New England hurdle, it's Mr. Tom Coughlin. So we'll have to ride out Jacksonville. Obviously, they're in a a pretty favorable division. I mean, Andrew, i got to ask you. This has been bugging me. I heard it on the radio the other day. Is my boy number 10 on the New York Football Giants a future Hall of Famer. And I wanted to get into this. I've been hearing the debate. It's been a prominent debate over the last probably week, especially after Saturday when we, we saw the NFL inductions. We talked about it on the Friday morning. It's probably Dev. the first time no quarterbacks, I think, have been inducted, right, in the Hall of Fame this class? And and that was one of my favorite classes, and I don't even want to get into T.O. because I'm over that whole situation. To get to your question, yes, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. When his career is over... He's going to finish in, like, the top ten in, like, every statistical category for quarterbacks. He's going to have two Super Bowls at a minimum. He's going to have two Super Bowl MVPs at a minimum. He's going to have the second longest start streak in a row. And you could probably thank Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese for that still not going on to this this day right now. The most durable quarterback probably in NFL history. And my biggest argument. Because I love when people talk about all oh, his regular season numbers haven't been great. He throws too many interceptions. He doesn't hold on to the football. He's not mobile. Well, I got two arguments to that. The first one is, show me the mobility on Tom Brady. I'll wait. And the second argument to that is, show me the interceptions that Brett Favre put up. And then show me Brett Favre's second Super Bowl ring. And his second Super Bowl MVP. If Brett Favre is in the Hall of Fame, as the guy that turned the football over the most in NFL history... Gunslinger, Brett Favre. In NFL history, if Eli Manning even gets onto the same base path as Brett Favre, there's zero chance why he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Andrew, I agree with every single point you said. And obviously, I'm a diehard Homer Giant fan, so when I heard this... When I heard this... You know, a lot of people call in and said, "How could you?" You know, he's not even it's not even a question. Or some people argue, "Well, are you kidding me? It's not even close. He's he's nowhere near a Hall of Fame quarterback." And you're right. I mean, you, you can argue numbers. You can argue. I can put up great numbers just to, to prove why Eli should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he'll be a first ballot. I think that may you know a lot of people who said he was a uh, you know no doubter first Hall you know first ballot Hall of Famer. All right, I get it. Maybe not first, but he'll be on the second or third. Andrew, I just want to tell you, I think he's uh, eight and zero. Oh. In playoffs, uh, when he's there, 2007, 2011, great, you know, playoff runs, two Super Bowl wins over possibly the best coach and the best quarterback to ever play the game. You know, the other guy, you know, word, you know, play for play, and yeah, great. We only scored 17 and I think 14 points in our Super Bowl wins, or 17 and 21, whatever it was. Um, but that doesn't matter, Andrew, because he, I think he has 15 touchdowns to two interceptions. 
in that in that great run. He beat three Hall of Fame quarterbacks together: Favre, Rodgers, and Tom Brady. All right, so he's beating them in their runs. This goes to my argument on Friday: Do those things matter when it comes down to being in the Hall of Fame? Does it matter that Eli Manning was the best quarterback for four straight games twice? and won the MVP on game-winning drives and be Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Or does it not matter? And at the end of the day, it's always going to come back to what the writers feel. But the thing that's on Eli Manning's side is there's zero character questions. There's zero character issues. There's zero problems with the media. So if Eli, away from a lot of other guys, if Eli's not a first-ballot Hall of Famer, I really truly believe it's because people do not give him enough credit. And... They only look at the seasons where the Giants didn't make the playoffs or win a Super Bowl because, let's be serious, there are more seasons in Eli Manning's career where the Giants haven't been in the playoffs than the Giants have been in the playoffs. But let's remember something. Jerry Reese had two full draft classes from 2011 and 2012 that are no longer in the NFL. Those are That's at least 10 players. That's a rough estimate. That should be, but probably aren't on the roster. That now you have to patchwork, and what talent does Eli Manning have around him? And great, you can tell me, oh, well, they had Odell Beckham Jr. for the last three years. Well, hey, what did he do? They brought him to the playoffs, and who didn't perform? Eli or Odell Beckham Jr.? He was on a boat, I think, still in Miami. And then showing Eli threw that ball, yeah. Listen, I mean, Andrew, when when you talk about, you know, who, who, how, what, when, how do you get into the Hall of Fame, what defines... That criteria, like you said, it's it's obviously all opinionated by the writers, but I look at you know I look at his like you said his personality, his personal off the field. You, you never, I mean, obviously he had his little knucklehead incident with the foot signings and the fake stuff, what have you. I don't know what the they're gonna settle that out of court quietly, sweep it under the rug. But not a defining moment. No, but you know what? He's also he. I define a Hall of Famer as somebody who's clutch, Andrew, who knows how to win the big game, somebody who you want on. Who you want on your team when it comes down to the very final few plays, Andrew. And my, my man, Mr. Eli Manning, number 10, has 10 all-time game-winning drives. Four quarter comebacks. That's the most among QBs. His playoff record, he has the most game-winning drives in the playoffs. He has two fourth quarter comebacks alone in the playoffs. That ties, He's the only quarterback to do it twice himself. And he's had the only QB to have six or more game-winning drives in a season three times. What does that mean? It means he probably threw a bunch of dumb interceptions early on in the, in the game, which cost him some field position and the team some, some, some points. But that means that when it comes down to it, Andrew, and I, I've said it m- multiple times to a lot of people who will listen, they laugh at me. But when it comes down to a two-minute drill with, a, with only uh, a, you know, a handful of players to choose from, Andrew, when it comes down to crunch time, who do you want? I would choose Eli over his brother Peyton. You can call me crazy, and I get it. Peyton was one of the best quarterbacks that ever played a game. But when it comes down to clutch, and who's... I mean, you saw it in, in, in that playoff run. The San Francisco 49ers beat that man to a bloody pulp. And what he did, he came back and won the game that fourth quarter. I mean, the guy is just Mr. Clutch, and that's what we need so this in the Hall an- of Fame. This will help answer the question, then. Is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? No. Why? Is it because he hasn't won? And see, it's two reasons I ask you that question. Because one, it shed light on Eli Manning because 
They were traded for each other right. to their respective teams. They've had the exact same length of career and kind of the same type of success from a regular season standpoint. And I'll say, next I get you. I bet you next thing you say is Ben Roethlisberger. Yes, same class. I would say yes, he's a Hall of Famer. And what did, I get? I don't want to say it's because they win Super Bowls, Andrew. Because obviously there's quarterbacks and, and players in the, in the Hall of Fame who haven't won rings. Uh, and there's quarterbacks like Joe Flacco. Right. I mean, <laughs> who have a ring? And, Dan uh, Marino couldn't sniff a ring. The guy from Baltimore <laughs> when, when they blew the Giants out was that uh, Trent Edwards? Trent Dilfer. Uh, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. Yeah. yeah. Trent Dilfer. You know, I think they won like thirty-five to ten. So I guess Baltimore is just really good at finding quarterbacks. They can drag the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't really have a, have a great defense of why he shouldn't be, and I get it. We could put up his numbers, and you know, his obviously his probably his probably his you know touchdown to, uh, interceptions probably better than Eli's. But I mean, it's just again. I think it just comes down to a clutch factor, a guy that you could depend on. And obviously, you know, the Chargers have had some good weapons around him. They've they've kind of given him, you know, Antonio Gates has been there. They've had a another Hall of Famer. They've had a bunch of uh, wide receivers. Kind of been a revolver for wide receivers. They haven't really had, you know, a, a number one guy. But you see the talent that they do have. Again, defense uh, this year that should be really good. Bosa coming off a hell of a rookie campaign. You know. He was a guy who held out his his rookie contract. You know, he saw the ill effects. I think if they find a way to, maybe if he, if Philip Rivers plays about five more years, doable. They find a way. He's got like ten kids, so I think he needs to. And they find a way to maybe make two or three playoff runs. I'm not saying he has to win a Super Bowl, but there has to be some type of success there. Because even if you look at a guy like Dan Marino, right? Obviously, Dan Marino, arguably top three quarterback of all time, despite his Super Bowls. That's not a guy like Phillip Rivers. And Eli Manning and Ben Rosberg are on the other side of the fence. Their Super Bowls and their championships and playoff runs have probably made them probably take a step up in terms of their Hall of Fame status can kind of give them and take them over the edge, I guess I should say. So Phillip Rivers, I think, has to have some type of playoff run. And you could look at Archie Manning and say, oh, maybe that ends up being like an Archie Manning-type career where he's like the greatest quarterback on the worst team in history. But I think Phillip Rivers is better than that. I think he is on the borderline of being a Hall of Famer. It's just hard for me to look at the lack of anything really coming out of San Diego pretty much throughout the course of Phillip Rivers' career. But to finish that point, though, in the same boat you saw LaDainian Tomlinson he gets put into the Hall of Fame from the same type of scenario. They played together for like six or seven years. But my the difference being is LaDainian Tomlinson is arguably a top five running back of all time based off the numbers he put up. Phillip Rivers doesn't have that in his corner. And, Andrew, I, listen, Phillip Rivers, he probably end up, he will have been in the Hall of Fame because, again, it comes down to he's, 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 he's another one of these good character guys, never had any kind of incidents. Got the weirdest probably throwing motion in the NFL as a quarterback. It does work. Another another guy like that is uh, uh, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Again. Oh man, the arm slots that he can throw from. Okay, that's another good question. Would he will he ever become a whole? Well, family? so I also on, so on that dreadful Lions the, team. Well, the second debate of this whole conversation is: Are we seeing inflated stats from the quarterback position because of the type of football that's being played now? Because I mean, think about it: in the eighties and the nineties, and even into the early two thousands, you kept running the football. Run, 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 bang it around, play hard-nosed defense. There wasn't as many gunslinger quarterbacks in the NFL. And then all of a sudden, in the last 20, 25 years, that has begun to dramatically shift. Now you have to be able to pass from the pocket. 
You have to have a running back that can catch balls out of the backfield. You have to have at least three running backs that can play because nobody's a bruiser anymore. One's a blocker, one's a pass catcher, and one's a runner. You need a slot receiver because you want to have quick three-second outs. How many quarterbacks do you see now that can get the ball out in less than two seconds on a five-yard route to their slot receiver? It's ridiculous. So I think that the way the offense and the game has changed and the rules that have coupled with that, one of the ones we're seeing this year is obviously the new helmet rule, has kind of inflated quarterback stats over the last few years. And that's why I think that at the end of this kind of run of the Eli Manning, Roethlisberger, Rivers, kind of Matthew Stafford, Rodgers area, you're going to look at it and say, in theory, five or six of these guys could be Hall of Famers based on their stats alone. But is that because they're actual Hall of Famers or because of the error that they played in? I have to agree with that. I mean, it's kind of, you, could, you could compare that to baseball with all the home runs that everyone's hitting now. You kind of tell you, like, NFL's going towards the offense. You see all the most highest-paid players are on the offensive side of the ball. Odell wants to be the highest-paid wide receiver in the game. And these guys are making some of these contracts. Antonio Brown, I think, makes $18 million. Uh, he's your second. He'll probably, he's, he's probably the second highest on the on the, on the, uh, on the Pittsburgh roster because, you know, Roethlisberger's probably making upwards of $20 million. The quarterbacks make that ungodly amount of money. And then it's the wide receivers. So I think, you'll, I think that's why even this kind of is, is I would say, a knock on Eli, but... It's kind of like, you know, Eli, he's so durable and he plays almost every game that he almost just, he almost compiles numbers. You know what I mean? So he'll, he will be in the top 10, possibly the top five all time on passing yards, passing touchdowns, passing attempts, just for the mere fact that in this era of football, Andrew, like you said, starting from, I think, like probably that 2004 draft class, let's say, and on, it's just been a pass happy league. I mean, Drew Brees thrown how many five thousand plus yard seasons? So is that it? It's pads. It's it's just padding stats. Is that it? That's I, I, I listen. Is that now? Does that qualify you for the Hall of Fame? That's the question. And this is and this is my debate though on Friday. And I'm glad we were able to have this conversation because I know you weren't there on Friday and you had some colorful opinions. Busy on assignment, Andrew. It was busy on assignment, and, and you brought back some good info, which I appreciate. A lot of camp info, which I love. Football training camp. Listen, you have to. Take what error you're in for the error that you're in. And this is the error we're in in football. Right. And that is it. And Dan Patrick says it all the time. I listen to the Dan Patrick show all the time. Actually, our dad podcast recommendation last week. And he says simply, the rules are shifted for the offense right now. There feels like He feels like there's no rules in place for the defense. Because of that, you're going to get these inflated offensive numbers. Now, the question becomes, is that enjoyable football to watch? I think you're gonna. I mean, listen. They say they went. They had a downward uh, number last year when it came to overall ratings and viewership, what have you. The NFL, the product is such a unbelievable, most must must see event. I mean, I think the Hall of Fame game, you know, did like a almost like a six rating, Andrew, which is higher than some, which will be higher than some MLB, you know. Uh, World Series games. And probably 50% of the starters didn't even put pads on before exactly. the game. Right, and you're watching. I mean, obviously there's a lot of hype coming into the game. It's the first game. It's the first preseason game. You know, Obviously, people want to see Lamar Jackson. They want to see. And there's a lot of a lot of players are fighting for this position. You know, this is, a, this is a, a key time for a lot of those no-name players, Andrew. This is where a lot of those guys just try to make the 53-man roster. Or in that roster spot. Special teams. I mean, listen. You got guys fighting it out every day. That's all they need. Just, just give them one chance. It is scaring me that football is turning into America's pastime. And I think it, we're already there. I'm not denying that. Right. We're already I agree. there. I agree. 
But I think what's what's scaring me the most, and it's not even just about baseball, it's that other sports, it's crazy, that a, the first preseason game of the year is that scrutinized. It's crazy that, and listen, I'm not saying that the domestic violence situation going on in Ohio State isn't absolutely just terrible, but the fact that that Urban Meyer situation is the is front page news, and that rather than making sure we get this woman help and making sure this situation is handled the appropriate way, we're talking about how it's the first day of football practice for Ohio State, and what's it going to be like for the team without Urban Meyer there? How about who cares? That it's the first day of football, but that's how much we as Americans want football. Listen, I I live, I didn't live through it, but I, I obviously I was I went to you know my alma mater's Penn State. We had that horrible you know nonsense go through, and everybody, any anybody from Pennsylvania who's in that kind of cult area, all they cared about was poor Joe Paterno, poor Joe Paterno. Yet, twenty some kids were lost their dignity, lost almost childhood. everything, lost their childhood, lost their innocence because some creature was preying on them in in a, in a Penn State facility. I mean, I don't know. And is, nobody did the, anything about exactly. it. Exactly. It's a whole different podcast. We're not trying to go down that river, but you're right, Andrew. Unfortunately, I don't think any program is clean. You look at all these all these instances that are going on. You know, unfortunately, women and, and children are being affected. And it, there's no place, there, there's no place, uh, place for it in our game, but... I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Before we get into our what do you got picks, because I am curious about your opinion. From the simplest of answers, okay, if you're Ohio State, I don't care if you're on the committee, I don't care if you're the president of the school or if you're the athletic director, or if you're just a professor at the school, take away your Penn State hatred for other Big Ten schools. Fuck the fuck guys. Do you, as that administrator at Ohio State, keep Urban Meyer, or because of how prominent this issue is in society for the mere fact of him, yeah, quote unquote, maybe thinking he did things the right way, but not actually acting the way you would hope somebody in his position would act. Wow. This is, I mean, I I legit was speaking to my wife about this because she kind of was getting ready for work and she kind of, I obviously had Sports Center on the background and she's like, oh, what did Urban Meyer do? Oh my God, he's going to get fired for lying. And she's like, what? And so I kind of explained the situation. And, and obviously we don't know all the details are coming out because, I mean, this guy, Zach Smith, he's, he's doing a lot of talking right now. And 14 days, they said the committee might take as long as to make a decision. So I don't know if, uh, obviously, whatever happened, happened in 2009 and 2015. It's If I'm Ohio State, listen, you fired Jim Tressel for less. He literally just, his kids got illegal tattoos or didn't pay for their tattoos and they, they gave him the can for that one of the best coaches Ohio State ever saw so if I'm that committee if I'm the chancellor or whatever the dean of, you gotta let him go cut it cut it loose unfortunately it is what it is but he, he's a high profile name I don't think this may really damage his, his career you know when it, when it comes to it but I think to set the standard Andrew that Ohio State doesn't stand for that like how can you preach to your how can you be a teacher of young men and you go and you don't protect the innocent females or the the female in this case of what happened and you, and you lie you sweep under the rug just because the dude's grandfather was part of the ohio state community i think you gotta let him go i think a lot of people the the, the uh higher the ups. ad's gotta go because apparently urban Meyer, he threw buck the fuck guys he said he told him yeah so then that dude didn't do a thing he's gotta go i it, like, like penn state basically got rid of everybody when that whole scandal is that happened. the only way you can do it yeah though? you gotta clean, just house. clean house that's it start over whatever our 
quote-unquote, you can call them new policies, you can call them adjusted policies, I don't care what you call them. But you have to make sure, and it's not just at Ohio State, everywhere across the board, the Michigan States, the Penn States, the Ohio States, whatever scandal, Louisville, you want to put at the forefront, whatever college sport it is, it's kind of ridiculous now. And I do agree. Now, I don't subject to the guilty and proven innocent. I think that's where our society has turned a little bit, especially with some of these sports coaches where let's just hang them. Let's hang them before we give them a fair trial. Well, our, our country was founded on you are innocent until proven guilty. So we can't, because of the way our society is changing, we can't turn ourselves into we're, we're absolutely pillaging and raping this guy's life because we assume he did something wrong. Sure, I'm not naive. Do I believe Urban Meyer did something wrong? Yes, I do. But we as a society, we as individuals, we can't assume he's guilty until he's not. That's where I will give Ohio State credit for. They didn't jump to conclusions. They're taking their time. I agree with you, though. In the end, it's going to eventually lead to him probably being fired. And I think you no longer probably coach football the remainder of your career if you're Urban Meyer. Yeah, I, I can't see a program looking into him, at, at, at least a college program. Maybe they'll go to the pros, who knows, because those owners will pay anybody. But And he had 31 arrests underneath his belt while he was at Florida. So be it not him committing the arrest, but that kind of tells you a little bit about the way his players in his program are if operating. If you can play, you can play. That is it. Well, if you can get your glass fixed, you should buy Hawthorne Glass. That is right. Our man Angelo with over three decades of quality service in the glass industry. Listen to some of these reviews, folks. If you need your glass fixed, Hawthorne Glass is the best in the industry. Great service. Angelo and his team are the best. Remember, it is warm outside. You wanna make sure your screen doors are cooking. You wanna make sure your windows are ready to rock and you wanna make sure it is as enjoyable at your house as possible. And if that glass, that screen door, that thermo pane, whatever it is, is not working, you need to call Hawthorne Glass at 973-427-4344. Mention double A balls and get 10% off of your first purchase. That's 973-427-4344. Mr. Rinaldi, what does that mean? That means I'm brutal at picking this game that you created, Andrew. That means that I am back on the winning ways, and it is what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? And we went back to our roots last week. We told the people that we were going to try and not steer them wrong. And Stupid baseball game. I think as a good overview, Andrew did not steer the people wrong. Cole Hamels, five innings, zero earned runs, nine Ks, only gave up three hits and a one for three at the dish for his first win Vintage in a Chicago Cubs uniform. Vintage Cole, Cole Hamels. Anthony, not so much. Mm. CC Sabathia against the Red Sox. First three innings, I look, I look, I look good. Yeah, you up were four cooking. Nothing. Up four nothing. Cooking, and then it turned very, very south. Oh. CC went three, only gave up two earned runs, but only two Ks, three hits, and obviously only lasted three innings. So the scoreboard turns. Andrew, 20 and 22. Mr. Rinaldi, 22 and 20. So. Mm. I will give you, you go first. <laughs> second licks this week because you lost. So I will start this thing off. What do you got? And I'm sticking on the diamond. I got to stay with my roots. I got to keep picking good games. I got to stop pe- steering the people wrong. And I did it well. Good job last week. I want to do a better job this week. So I'm going Seattle Mariners versus Houston Astros Sunday, April 12th 
And my pitching matchup for that day is Felix Hernandez versus Charlie Morton. My performer out of those two is Felix Hernandez. You might want to think I want to roll with the Astros here. Charlie Morton, the better of the two starters, mid-2 ERA. Tough year right now for Felix Hernandez. Has a 5-3-7 or in that range ERA. Has not been as prolific as he has been in his career. But the bottom line is, right now the Seattle Mariners are in a playoff race. It is really feels like it's between them and Oakland in a wild card situation right now. A few other teams are filing in the mix right there. But the Mariners need their ace. And maybe he's no longer really the ace for them right now. But he needs to find some type of lightning in the bottle for the last two months. Because the Mariners are two and a half games back of the Athletics right now. The Yankees obviously in that number one wild card spot. So I'm taking the Mariners versus the Astros. Big series for the Mariners. And I'm taking Felix Hernandez on Sunday because I really feel like he needs to kind of take that step up in this last two months. Find a little bit, channel a little bit of the old Felix, the old king. Get out there and help lead this Mariners team to the playoffs. Blast from the past. King Felix, Andrew. Wow. I love it. Digging through the annals it's, of MLB history for that guy. It's better than picking a New York Met, which is taking me mm. down a really Brutal. negative path. Mr. Rinaldi, your turn. What do you got? What do you got? A smart, a smart man once told me, stick to your guns. And uh, clearly baseball is my, my strong suit here, Andrew. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay in the diamond. Give me a little NL NL wildcard race matchup, Andrew. This is going to be a big series. I know you had to, I kind of penciled it as one to watch as well, but that's Milwaukee versus Atlanta. Milwaukee, one of my sleepers at the beginning of the year. Yes, you had you had said that. I was I was concerned with their pitching, and you kind of held up. You kind of told me that they were going to they were going to they were going to be there. And I believe they're only a game behind the, the White Sox in the NL Central. White Sox, hello, the Cubs in the NL Central, and they have the pitching matchup is Freddie Peralta versus. Kevin Gossman. And that name sounds so familiar, Andrew. That's because he used to play for the one fire sale, Baltimore Orioles. And in his first matchup for Atlanta, he got hosed, got gave up a lot of runs, only had two strikeouts. So he's looking for a bounce back. Atlanta needs to keep pace with Philadelphia because they're a game and a half out right now in the NL East. And they're, like I said, they're, they're and I believe they're... They're only a half game up on the Diamondbacks for the second wild card spot as well, Atlanta. Atlanta and right. one and a half behind... Milwaukee for that first wild card right, so spot. Milwaukee, it's tight. Right. So obviously Atlanta, they, they're gonna want the crowd's gotta come out. The home, the hometown, they'll be doing that stupid Braves chop that they always do. Gets the team fired up. And my player to watch is Mr. Mr. Kevin Gaskin Gossman. And let's see if he could, if that acquired, if that if that midseason acquire is what the Atlanta Braves need to keep stead with the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, my man. All right, Kevin Gossman and the Atlanta Braves versus the Milwaukee Brewers take on Andrew's pick of Seattle versus Houston and Felix Hernandez. So we'll see if Andrew can even the what do you got scoreboard at 500 apiece. But all I know is we were at least a little bit better than we were last week. And reminder that obviously what do you got is brought to you by Hawthorne Glass. And again, 10% off of your first discount first person excuse me by using the promo code double a balls nine seven three four two seven four three four four and we're almost done here on this fantastic podcast but what gets me going is when you get going about your new york yankees and it was a tough weekend what up andrew it was a tough weekend they went into boston i think at worst you wanted a two-two split 
but you obviously needed to find a way to come out of there winning that series. You're a significant steps behind the Red Sox in the AL East right now. And unfortunately, like you mentioned, they had a lead in the first game. They were up 4-1 in the last game. And every game they found found a way to take an L. As a Yankees fan, where are you sitting with this ball club right now? Hey, Andrew, the AL East is over. Uh, I, I kind of told you, I think, a week ago in the podcast that I'm, I'm already set. My, my, my focus is a one-game playoff. Obviously, Seattle and Oakland, they're kind of on the hunt right now. They're chasing us for that, you know, who's going to be the, because, you know, the, 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 whoever wins the, the wild card race gets to host the one-game playoff. And so, obviously, we want to take our chances at home. But, Andrew, I mean, listen, Boston is on pace to win 113 games. Did I expect to take, you know, to win the series or, you know, take, you know, sweep them or at least gather there with two wins? I would have, yes, I would have liked that. As any kind of fan, obviously, you want to take that. But, I mean, listen. The Yanks have lost five in a row, Andrew. They got outscored twenty three to nine over that uh, in, in that four game set, Andrew. I mean, come on, twenty three. I mean, we didn't score any kind of Rick Porcello and Shove. and Nate, Nathan Avaldi looked like Pedro Martinez and, and and Roger Clemens. I mean, they shut us down, Andrew. And I get it. No Sanchez, no Judge. Obviously, Sanchez wasn't doing much when he was there, but it's a whole different lineup when you got to put a young Miguel Andujar. In the four slot, you got to put a, a young uh, Gliber Torres in the you know in the five hole, and it's, it seems like the Gary Sanchez uh, slacking and uh, not hustling after plays get you know, caught up to everybody. Gliber Torres had two errors. He had an error in the Baltimore series where he didn't cover first base on a bunt. Uh, we lost. I mean, we lost two coming into it to freaking Baltimore. That that team is sixty games under five hundred, and we lost to them. And then we get swept by the Red Sox, Andrew. It's ugly. And that's what A-Rod said after the broadcast last night. You know, yeah, you can you can swing it probably with the best of them if you're the New York Yankees. You have one of the better bullpens around. But if you can't play defense late in the year and into the playoffs, it is going to be very hard for you to win a series. And that was the first thing I looked at. I'm saying, is the pressure of this right now a little bit too much for some of their young guys? Because you got to remember... A Gary Sanchez, sure he has playoff experience from last year. That's one run. Uh, Aaron Judge, sure he has playoff experience from last year, but that was one run, and he's currently hurt right now. You traded away Brandon Drury, so there's no going to a veteran third baseman or a veteran second baseman. Yeah, you have Neil Walker, but your production value is going to come out of Torres, so you don't want to put Neil Walker in the game above Torres, but defensively, are they ready? And mentally, are they ready? Because right now, what I see out of the Boston Red Sox, and by the way, Brian, uh, excuse me, Ian Kinsler, great trade. Because Ian Kinsler is just a great veteran presence that is just going to be a great defender and just be himself. He doesn't have to be too much, doesn't have to be too little, and he fits perfectly into that lineup for exactly what they were looking for. And the Red Sox right now look like a mature team that knows how to win, and all their question marks about their bullpen right now don't really bother me because they are finding their look like a team that is poised and ready to make a serious run. And the Yankees on their hand, they look a little immature right now. And they look a little bit like this kind of mid-season dip they're taking. Are we seeing their true character? Or is this just, it's the dog days of summer in about a week or two, you're going to forget this even happened. Exactly. Dog days of summer, Andrew. It's August baseball. I don't want to say it matters. I don't say it matters what happens in August, because obviously every, every game is important. Now we're nine and a half back. Uh, but, I mean, if, if you think about it, Andrew, it was 
two fortnights ago, for those knuckleheads out there, it's 28 days, basically a month. The Yankees were in a virtual tie with the Red Sox for the AL East. Since then, the Yankees have went 14 and 14. Red Sox have gone 22 and 5. And listen, Red Sox, top to bottom, are a formidable lineup. They got the pitching staff, Sale, Price, Evaldi now. Evaldi now. Kimbrel closing it on the Kimbrel, back end. Yeah, so you don't, you're not too worried about them. My concern is clearly the Yankees, our pitching staff. Severino has not been our ace. We, he, he's kind of lost a little bit of feel. Scares you a little bit. I may throw him. If I'm Boone, I may throw him to DL, give him some rest. Like, I think Chris Sale, he's not hurt. But you know what? Chris Sale, always, typically, every season kind of slows down in August and September because he gets tired. It's a lot of wear and tear, you know? So you slow, you, you, you stop the innings. You kind of hold him up. And you know what? You miss a start or two. Yankees really can't afford to do that, but I think Severino needs to do that. I liked what I saw at Tanaka. His sinker uh, was sinking for the most part last night. He, he, he got away with a few things. He, he made J.J. Martinez look a little foolish, and that's tough to do because Martinez is crushing the ball this year. Could be the best hitter in baseball right now. And the worst part about, yes, the, the four-game sweep, Andrew, was clearly how the Yankees lost last night. They were up 4-1 to one in the ninth. Three walks, a single, and an error. I mean, are you kidding me? It's just, you, you, they didn't even earn it. It didn't feel like the Red Sox earned no, that that's win. just when you know it's your season for the Red Sox because all the, all the bounces are going their way. Dog days of summer. It doesn't matter what we do in August, Andrew. It matters what we're doing at the end of September, getting ready for October baseball, Andrew. And, and here's my thing to finish the point about how they lost the game on Sunday night. On Saturday, you were almost down and out. They find a way to battle. Great A.B., uh, I think it was Giancarlo hits a double, and I think it was Didi comes up and hits a double, and I think they maybe walk and maybe there were, whatever it was, they kept battling with two outs, two strikes, and nobody on. And I think it was a four nothing game at the time. If you're Aaron Boone, even though your team's about to lose the third game and possibly be on the verge of being swept and lose the series versus your division rival, that is absolutely huge, and that builds your confidence. So when they're winning the game uh, in the ninth inning. And they're going into it. I'm saying to myself, this is a great spot. This is a great spot for the Yankees to be. Because even though they're about to lose this series, they found a way to battle late, show some pride, which you always love. It might not be a real moral victory, but it's huge. And then find a way to win this game. And then it absolutely just just fell apart. And my last question to you is, because I know we're against the clock right now. My last question to you. Are you afraid that this thing could spiral into the Yankees somehow missing the playoffs? Because remember, it's only two and a half games between them and the potential wild card teams that would knock them out of the playoffs. Every game is crucial. We're going to have to rely on some young pitching. We're going to have to rely. I think they're going to. I think they're going to call up Sheffield one of these game. One of these. Uh, you know, you, you don't. You don't mind what you hate at a Chance Adams. He did all right against the Red Sox. Obviously, to be thrown in that spot is pretty tough, and the kid handled himself pretty well. Yeah, Andrew, listen, you got to be concerned if you're a Yankee fan. You can't, you can't just say, "All right, listen," you know. But we need Aaron Judge in the lineup. He obviously, when, when number ninety nine is there, everyone, everybody plays a little better, a little different. And I think that's why we look at it from a different light now. Unfortunately, he's not even swinging yet, so he's still two, three weeks away, probably. So you got to tread water. You know, you got to hope. You know, we're playing. I think the next twenty five games are playing teams that have like a winning percentage of like. Oh, Under terrible. 400. Just so, bad. Look, like tonight, handle your business against the White Sox. And that's it. Handle tonight's business. Get back on a winning train. We haven't had a five-game losing streak, I think, since like May or June, whatever it was. So we just got to right the ship, Andrew. And like I said, it's a dog days of summer. Let's get through it. Mind focus, boys. 
get the job done, beat the White Sox. And I think at the end of the day, yeah, you should not be worried if you're a Yankees fan. All right, well, some exciting news for the people before we get going here on episode 30 of the Double A Balls podcast. Of course, we're broadcasting now at the Dig Me Dab Studios. Hopefully some fun stuff coming your way. Maybe on some Instagram TV, maybe some YouTube TV, maybe some Instagram live starting in September. But Andrew, I have a face for radio. Look out for that. Maybe we'll have to hide Anthony's face or maybe we'll just dress it up with some cool guy in the tie Dig Me stuff. But where we want you to look out for is if you go to vm-sports.com, the Double A Balls podcast will be helping host an 20th anniversary reunion for four former New York Yankees, Jeff Nelson, Shane Spencer, Tanyan Sturtz, and Charlie Hayes. We will be there. Anthony will be hosting the Digney Red Carpet event. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Andrew will be hosting the Q&A, and it will be a fantastic time for some autographs, a lot of laughs, some really cool stories. So check that out at vm-sports.com or follow underscore vmsports on Instagram to get all your latest news on the event on December 2nd and also to find the link to purchase your tickets. Also, let's pay some bills. Pay the bills. We'll pay our studio pay, bills. Pay the man. The Double A Balls podcast is presented by Dig Me Nation, the official sports podcast of the guy in the tie. Remember, you can find Dig Me Nation at Tilly's, Bloomingdale's, and Lids. Head over to digmenation.com and use the promo code DIGTHEDAB18 for 30% off of your purchase. Mr. Rinaldi, it has been a blast. Andrew, I cannot wait to dive into another Friday morning dab with you. I should be present, not on assignment this week. Hopefully, who knows with the boss, though. They don't, I don't make the rules. I just follow them. NFL is here. Can't wait. My Yankees got to right the ship. I think the Mets still play baseball in New York, but that they doesn't might. matter. I just can't wait, Andrew. This is a great, great time to be listening to the dab podcast. Get your gear. Get the dig me gear. Find it online. Take the dab 18. Use the promo code. It's more than once, folks. You can keep using it. That's how That's how nice the guy in the tie really is. He wants your business. Give him that support. Use our code because, hell, I think we get a kickback, son. Hey, and that would be really appreciated. So head on over to digmenation.com. Use that code. And also head over to dabpodcast.com. Check out our personal apparel and get the website you can see us on apple podcast google podcast spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast i'm andrew romanella for my partner anthony rinaldi we are the double a balls podcast this has been episode 30 and we are out